How many of you growing up memorized Philippians 4.13? How many know Philippians 4.13? I want you to say it with the two people that remember it. (laughs) I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can. I guess when I was growing up, I was not reared in a Christian home. But growing up, I remember in the sixth grade, we had a teacher by the name of Mr. Connor. And evidently, I would go to him ever so often and say, I can't. I'll never forget what he said. He said, can't, can't do anything. Can't, can't do anything. Well, after I became a believer in Jesus Christ, I carried that over into my faith. And this particular verse, and I want you to hang on to this verse, say it again, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want you to hang on to that verse to the end of the message. I'd like to visit with you today with something that I have struggled with, I think, nearly every day of my life, something I thought wouldn't be such a plague in my life when I got to be such an old man as I am now. It seems like a constant battle, and sometimes I win, but it seems like more often than I wish I lose. Before I tell you what that is, let me ask you a question. How many of you like salmon fishing? Some of you like to go salmon fishing. That's great. That's great. I'm not a fisherman. Actually, I have no hobbies at all except reading and writing. I can't fix cars. I'm not a wood carver. I'm terrible at doing stuff around the house. Anne wants to clean. She says, go do something else. So I read a book. I'm a goof off at golf. She's often wanted me to get a hobby for years. Uh, Someone took us pistol shooting a couple years ago. She thought this would be good. She loves, she's always wanted to learn how to shoot a pistol. Now, at my age, that's made me nervous. Uh, the other thing that's made me nervous is that uh, she's afraid I'll shoot myself in the foot. Well, anyway, over the years, uh, I haven't had any hobbies. I do like to go tubing because it's downstream. There's nothing you have to do. I've done that a, a few times. That's been interesting. I'd like to maybe learn... Uh, fly fishing, how many have gone fly fishing? To me, that seems like it would be a relaxing kind of a, a hobby. Maybe someday somebody will do that because I think you stand in the water. You don't have to get on a boat. I don't do well in boats. In fact, I can get seasick in the bathtub. So you might say, okay, Pastor, where are you going with this today? Uh, I asked you if you like salmon fishing. Have you ever watched salmon go upstream? 
in the uh, spring in order to spawn. We're in Grand Rapids, so you can go downtown and, or out in Rockford, and it's really something to behold to watch those salmon go upstream to spawn. Now, the last thing I want to do at my age is go upstream and spawn. But I do kind of compare my everyday life like trying to swim upstream to be what God wants me to be. When everything around me seems to be going downstream, every day for me is really an upstream swim against these currents that are constantly challenging my strength, my durability, my determination, my faith, my desire to be like Jesus. If you are attempting to walk like Jesus Christ, I think you know what I'm talking about today. It's not an easy road. And it's a daily challenge of being in the world and not of the world. Any saint worth his or her salt will face this challenge on a daily basis, no matter what your age are, is or who ever you are. Now, when salmon go upstream in the spring to spawn, they do face some hazardous obstacles every sprint of the way. It's different from some places to others, but there may be occasions where there are ragged rocks or broken branches, sometimes the constraining currents, and then somewhere Sometimes I see out in Alaska or other places, there might be a bear that's waiting, just ready to reach out its paw and catch some dinner. Now, the Word of God tells us very clearly it's going to be just like that. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world's passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. First John 2, 15 through 17. Then John 15, 18 and 19. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Romans 12, 1 and 2, do not be conformed. Don't be conformed to this world. My heart aches when I see conformity to the world coming into the church. The word of God may still be preached, but we are out in that world all week and it seems after a while sometimes the devil gets to us and we bring that worldliness into the church. So I guess if I were to title this message today, it would be simply Swimming Upstream. Swimming Upstream, for that's what the Christian life is. Or as one published author titled his book, Swimming Upstream in a Downstream World. Now due to sin in the world, 
it is naturally going to go downstream. It has been going downstream since the day that Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God. Where's hell? It's down, isn't it? Sometimes you get a little discouraged, you're depressed, and you say, I'm what? Down in the, down in the dumps. Sometimes uh, we get that impression. Jonah in the highlands, what, what did he do? It says that he went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship. He went down into the belly of that great fish, and then he went down into the depths of the sea. He was running from God. Where did Joseph's brothers put him? They put him down into a pit. So we're born into a downstream world, and when we become children of God, this journey upstream begins, and we start our journey going contrary to the world. And it's not always easy. We live and walk among those that are constantly going in a different direction. They don't know upstream, so they try to get us to go downstream with us. It might be at work. It could be at school. It could be in our neighborhood. It could even be other believers that say, hey, it's okay. Come on along and do this. Let me ask some important questions this morning. I hope they'll be helpful. They've uh, helped me to try to focus a little bit on this, even at this place where I am in my life. First of all, as born-again believers, why would we want to go upstream anyway? As born-again believers, why would we want to go upstream? First of all, that's where God is. In Psalm 121.1, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We should want to go upstream because that's where God is. We should want to go upstream because that's where my heavenly Father is. We're taught to pray, are we not? In Matthew 6, 9, our Father which art in heaven. We should want to go upstream because that's where Jesus is. We read in Hebrews 4, 14, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Jesus has passed through the heavens. Now, Paul told us there were three heavens, the three heavens. The first one is that one where the birds fly, and as soon as you wash your car, they find you. The second one is the galaxies where the stars are, and the third one is where, where God himself is. In Sunday school class, a little girl was asked, where is God? She said, God is everywhere, but heaven is his headquarters. And that's where Jesus is. We also should want to go upstream because that's where our loved ones are who have gone before us, who placed their faith and trust in Christ. I don't know for sure about my mom and dad, but I have full assurance about a brother And there are some others that I've had the joy of 
seen come to know Christ during my years within our family circle, and I'm really looking forward to seeing them. I've really missed my brother. Uh, He passed away about five years ago, and he lived 53 of his 63 years in sin. Terrible, terrible sin. But uh, God got a hold of his life, and particularly the last five years of his life, he was the strongest testimony and witness wherever he went. He was always talking about Jesus Christ. And he would say, Maynard, don't, uh, don't, uh, I, I can't wait till I get out of this world because I won't have any more temptation. And that was great. That was great. He was a wonderful testimony. John 14, for let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. What a day it's going to be. I think those are pretty good reasons for wanting to swim upstream. James 4, 8 says, gives us some instruction, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Well, what are some of the currents, second question, what are some of the currents, some of the obstacles facing us as we swim upstream? Now, I know this is a, overused word today, but the first one I would suggest would be culture. Culture. But this has been true of every generation since the fall. Every generation has had a culture. The Word of God has been valid for every generation in every culture. Cultures change. Human nature doesn't. It was so bad in Noah's day, God had to destroy the world by water, culture. We live a culture day. We, we, we use that word a lot, and I would say our culture is going downstream. Would you? Certainly our culture is, and so it just seems today that there's more in that culture with the devil just doing everything as though he knows uh uh, his time is in the end. When we were in Duran at First Baptist, they had a live nativity scene every winter. We would bring a shed up to the front, and uh, we'd bring in a donkey. One year we brought in a mule, and we had some cows. I asked them to try to find a camel. They couldn't find a camel. But... Uh, Then we would have people sign up for different ones, like the angel up on top. I don't know why they always wanted to be an angel, because I tell you, we had some horrendous winter storms during some of those nights. But we had the donkey. And I remember the one fellow trying to back that donkey into that shed. And he didn't want to go into that shed, and he was just kicking up a storm. And you know, I think that's exactly what the devil is doing today. He knows he's cornered. He's getting backed into a place. He knows what the end is going to be. He's kicking up his heels, and he's going to make it as difficult as possible for the believer 
to go upstream. Now, the second obstacle or current, I think, that faces us, sometimes, not always, but it's family. Now, if you've been saved from a non-Christian environment, like I was, starting to swim upstream can be discouraging, to say the least. Oh, I had this burden that they would all come to know Christ, and I guess I was probably a little overzealous. But I soon learned that I would present the Word of God, and then I would pray. And uh, so if you're in a family environment that's not Christian, you need to ask God for wisdom. They're going to look upon you sometimes with disdain, or they may not want to accept you into some of the activities that they do. I know after my brother Roger got uh, saved, we uh, were having a Christmas get-together. We didn't do this with very often with my other two sister siblings. We got together. Roger was a new believer, but whenever I'm around, his old Maynard has to say grace. And so I said, Rod, you're the new believer in the family. You pray. I thought he was going to drop his teeth. But he prayed, and it was a wonderful prayer. But uh, they didn't feel comfortable around us, and really that wasn't our comfort zone either. I think another obstacle or current today is modern-day technology. There's so much access to everything, and it's all going downstream, and it's at our fingertips 24-7. We think of TV and the Internet and our cell phones, the peer pressure on our kids if we don't give them what the others have. I know that uh, our kids that have grandkids that have cell phones, mom, dads, they have these tracking systems. There's all this kind of stuff. You just want to be sure. But uh, if there is no control factor in a family today, it's unbelievable how some of our kids can be taken astray. Even pastors in our fellowship I have known have lost their pulpits I think of one just a few months, just a few months from retirement, just out of curiosity, and I believe this, he looked at some pornography. And he was teaching his high school class, and on Sunday morning in his PowerPoint presentation, somehow some of those images were inserted. The kids were astounded. They were amazed. They felt bad for the pastor. The pastor sat down, didn't know what to do. But he went and grabbed all the parents and he brought them in, told them exactly what had happened. And that was the last Sunday that he preached in his church. The devil will do anything. But the greatest obstacle I have trying to swim upstream is myself. It's myself. My greatest temptations are the old standbys that Satan has used since Adam and Eve in the garden, Jesus when he went into the wilderness, and everyone else who ever sinned 
in the Bible. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. First John. Those are the three channels through which the devil will always come to any one of us. Examine your life, look back, and you will see. And so it's so important to recognize that our greatest enemy trying to swim upstream sometimes can be ourselves. They struggled, even the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints, and I love to read biographies of the Puritans and other great preachers. Uh, They all, at one time or another, had that experience where they're swimming upstream, and then all of a sudden, like Demas, who walked with Paul, he saw Paul do miracles and used of God to bring so many to Christ and plant churches. And with tears in his eyes, Paul once said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas was going upstream, and all of a sudden, bang, something happened, and he started to go downstream with the world. Oh, listen. I don't know what it was that grabbed his attention. I don't know what it is that might be grabbing your attention even today. But uh, if we should be heading downstream, it is encouraging to know it's not the end of the world. The worst case scenario is that we're going to have to begin again. And we'll turn around and with the Lord's help. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things who strengthens me. Question three, are there any helps to keep us swimming upstream? Are there any helps to keep us swimming upstream? Sure there are. There are plenty of helps. First of all, there's God's precious book that will give us all the strength I need. 2 Timothy 2. Verse 9, the word of God is not bound. And so I give thanks for my Bible, the precious word of God, it saves and keeps and satisfies. Along this path I trod. Of all the books that I have had, this book alone stands tall. Though books I'll have until I die, this book excels them all. So I'll take my Bible wherever I go. It will be my constant guide when friends forsake me. And life's hopes fail me in this book. I will confide. The word of God, it must be read every day. That's where our strength comes and guidance. Then there is the presence, uh, excuse me, we also have our Lord's prayers from the throne room. In John 7, Hebrews 7, 25, he lives to make intercession for us. He's still living and he's praying for us in the throne room. John 17, 20 says, I don't pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe on me through their word. So we, we have helps along the way. We have the word of God. We have the prayers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then there's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 28, uh, 26 The Spirit helps our infirmities. 
1 Corinthians 2.10, the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. When you get convicted because you know something isn't right, that is the Holy Spirit. And then uh, we also have his people. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, Psalm 1, verse 1. I am a companion of all those who fear you and of those who keep your precepts, Psalm 119.63. If I start treading water and drifting downstream, it's my friends who can throw me a life rope. And that's happened over the years. Even pastors go through difficult times sometimes. And we have challenges. I remember one overwhelming time in my own personal life that were not for one particular friend who called me on a regular basis and prayed for me, helped me to keep my head above water. Thank God you can be that kind of a friend. Others here may need a friend today, but there are helps in keeping us Swimming upstream. I read this amazing story in the Grand Rapids press several years ago. Bill Barkley was 50 years of age. He was legally blind and deaf. He competed and finished his first Boston Marathon in four hours and 59 minutes in record high spring temperatures. He wasn't a novice. He had climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, Mount Quandry. He had taken teenagers on treks through the Peruvian Amazon. But this was really the most gruesome task he had ever undertaken. And upon finishing, he went immediately to the medical tent. He was vomiting from heat exhaustion. Well, how did Bill, blind and deaf, maneuver this fatiguing course of 26 miles and 385 yards. Uh, Two weeks ago, we were in Boston. We were in a missions conference with our Fellowship of Missions in New Hampshire, an hour from Boston. And on Tuesday of that week, one of our directors took us on a Christian heritage tour Uh, Of all the historical sites of Boston, if you've been there, you have been on the Liberty Trail and you've seen some of these things. And all along the way, I was thinking about the Boston Marathon and how uh, treacherous it must be. We walked over six miles that day on mostly pebble streets. And uh, last week when I had this unexpected attack, I thought, Lord, thank you for good timing. If I had been in Boston, wow, it would have been really, really miserable. But uh, we see that he made the tour, but how? Well, there were two means. First of all, he had help. His three sons, a sister-in-law, and one of his son's girlfriends took turns guiding Bill through the race. They wore Bluetooth headsets so they could communicate with him, warning him about potholes and turns and other obstacles on the race course. Bill said, most people run alone 
but I had a fresh face with me, encouraging me all the way. Second, he had a purpose. He was running to raise money for the Massachusetts Ear and Eye Infirmary. That's what got me through the hard part, he said, because if I finished the marathon, I knew I could continue to help those dear people. Well, that story reminded me of all the helps that we have along our upstream swim. We have God's Word. We have our Lord's prayers. We have the Holy Spirit's guidance. We have fresh faces of friends who can encourage us along the way. We can do it. And we claim Philippians 4.13. Well, the last question. Do you want to know who the greatest upstream swimmer ever Who was the greatest upstream swimmer ever? Now, some might say, if you're my age or older, Johnny Wiesmuller. How many remember him? He was the first Tarzan. He He was the first Tarzan ever. Some of you youngins are going to have to go back and say, oh, they were much better than these new Tarzans. But uh, others think Mark Spitz, he set at least uh, 33 world records. He was the most successful athlete at the 1972 Summer Olympics. He won seven medals in Munich. He was named World Swimmer of the Year in 69, 71, 72. Uh, Others say Michael Phelps, he's a little more contemporary, 16 total medals. It was amazing, eight golds that he won in Beijing. No, the greatest upstream swimmer ever was Jesus Christ. The Gospels tell us that in the midst of his greatest adversity, he set his face towards Jerusalem. Now, Jesus knew that's where he had to go. It was planned from before the foundation of the world. He was to go to Jerusalem where he would be crucified. He set his face towards Jerusalem, constantly prayed that the Father's will be done. Bruised and beaten, he carried his cross, and the weight of it pushed him to the ground. It was his determination, though, that spurred on John, the only one of the twelve disciples that were found at the foot of the cross. All of the others, somewhere along the way, stopped in midstream because of the raging currents, and they had to be going downstream. It's always easiest to go with the current. It's always easiest to go with the flow. Well, it was our Lord's determination to keep swimming upstream that that really should spur us on. It's a tough swim, but it can be done. We've got to keep our eyes on the city, the new Jerusalem. The only way you and I will be able to keep swimming upstream is to keep focused. Every morning we must set our sails upstream. When you put your feet on the ground in the morning, you tell the devil that you are dead. That's what Colossians 3 tells us. We're dead. We're dead. You tell him, I've been crucified. 
I no longer live unto myself. I live unto him. It's always blessed me that the two pallbearers of Christ were downstream swimmers until they watched, they watched Christ bearing his cross to Calvary. They came jumping out of that water midstream and started swimming upstream almost fanatically. Who were they? Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, the one who was always said to come to Jesus by night. They were both members of the Sanhedrin. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, they trusted Christ as their Savior. And when they saw Christ carrying that cross, and as he was lifted up on that cross, they couldn't, they couldn't hold back any longer. It is said that Joseph went to, to Pilate, went to the, the soldiers in charge, and the Gospel of Mark tells us that he craved to have the body of Jesus. Mark, excuse me, Luke tells us that he begged for the body. He begged for the body. All the while, the other disciples were just going downstream. Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If you're swimming downstream today, let me just say that somewhere along the way you have laid aside the cross. He says you must deny yourself and pick up your cross. Have you picked up the cross today? Everything every believer should ever long for in this life is upstream. Don't be a downstream swimmer. You don't want to end life that way. You don't want to enter heaven going downstream. You don't want to meet Jesus going in a different direction. We know that once we're saved, he's going to keep his promise to us. But I can't think of anything worse other than hell than to meet my Savior going downstream. In 1952, a young swimmer by the name of Florence Chadwick stepped off the beach at Catalina Island and into the water determined to swim to the shore of Mainline, California. She was already an experienced long-distance swimmer, in fact, the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. Well, that weather that day was very foggy and chilly and she could scarcely see the boats that were going to accompany her. And for 15 hours she swam and finally begged to be taken out of the water. But her trainer kept telling her that she could make it, that the shore was not that far away. And she kept going, but finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, she just stopped swimming and she was pulled out of the water. Well, to her dismay, she discovered that shore was just a mere half mile away. And so the next day, she gave this news conference. 
And she said, I don't want to make excuses for myself. I am the one who asked to be pulled out. But, but I think if I could have seen the shore, I could have made it. Friend, if you keep your eyes on shore, if you keep your eyes on heaven, on the reality of seeing Jesus one of these days, you can make it, and so can I. Two months later, Florence Chadwick proved her point, and on a bright, sunny, and clear day, she plunged back into the water, and she swam the distance. You know, there are going to be a lot of obstacles waiting to meet us on our upstream swim. But greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Don't be a a downstream swimmer. There are many, too many good things upstream that are waiting for us. And so we must not forget Philippians 4.13. With me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's pray. While eyes are closed, just a moment before I pray, maybe there are some here this morning that since you have been going downstream, and maybe God has spoken to you today, and you recognize that this is the time to turn around, and I can with the help of people, and I'd be glad to pray for you, and I know there are others later. If there's any at all, just by uplifted hand for a moment, if you're here today, and just pray for me. I kind of just sense that I'm starting to go downstream, and I'm not where Jesus wants me to be. Oh, Father, you know our hearts. Thank you for those that are seeking out in their hearts today where you would want them to be. Help us to be upstream swimmers, following your example, recognizing that you are a great God. We sing about you all the time. We read about you in the Word of God. May when temptations come and the currents become strong, may remember that We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And I thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name, amen.